Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday the 30th of May. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm Sam. And we're taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Um, Lots uh, coming up on today's program, of course, we'll bring you news from around the region in the first half of the show. In the second part of the program, Pierre Morrow, uh, uh, as... Um, regular listeners will know, another presenter of Asia Pacific Currents. Pierre Morrow interviewed Farid Partovi from the International Solidarity Group, International Alliance, in support of workers in Iran. And what they spoke about was the latest upsurge of workers' actions within Iran. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Uh, and if you want to find us on the web, you can go to all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, and we post regular news and articles about workers' issues across the Asia Pacific, so you can find us there. A couple of announcements before we launch into this morning's program. The first one is, as you're no doubt aware, Radiothon is coming up and uh, Asia Pacific Currents Radiothon show is Saturday the 13th of June, so tune in then. But of course, um, Radiothon is 3CR's annual opportunity to raise money directly from listeners and our supporters. We um, we have very, very limited grants uh, and other sources of income. In fact, most of our operating costs come from from Radiothon. So a really, really important uh, time of year for us to raise that money. Um, And, you know, now more than ever, the need and requirement for alternative voices and alternative political perspectives is required. So keep us on air and and, uh, donate generously this coming Radiothon. The other announcement I wanted to make, I'm going to make it now and I'm going to make it again at the end of the program, is about tomorrow's actions. So many listeners will be aware that Reclaim Australia, a very far right-wing force uh, in um, on, on the streets right across Australia, have called an action. This action is um, supposed to be held at Richmond Town Hall tomorrow at one o'clock. So Reclaim Australia have called this rally to oppose, directly oppose, uh, Yarra City Council and the Socialist Party's councillors because they argue that the Socialist Party was responsible for the counter-mobilisation on the 4th of April and that that council in particular is left-wing, it's full of communists, etc., their rally is a racist, anti-Islamophobic, uh, sorry, anti-Islam rally, and we're opposing it. So there is a counter rally. The counter rally is starting at twelve o'clock. So please be there in force to say once and for all that reclaim Australia cannot, will not reclaim our streets. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second thing is they reclaim Australia organised that event at the same time 
that the Socialist Party has organised a public meeting on Islamophobia. That meeting is being held at the Multicultural Hub uh, or the Drill Hall, but basically right near the Victorian market um, at two o'clock tomorrow. So uh, it'll be a discussion to... um, to look at all of the different ways Islamophobia is a real threat that we need to respond to. So those two announcements, and I'll announce them again at the end of the program. But first up, news from around the region. While some of the thousands of Burmese and Bengali boat people have been allowed to land in Malaysia and Indonesia, there are still many others thought to be stuck on boats in the high seas. This crisis has forced both the Thai and the Malaysian governments to investigate the large-scale smuggling of migrant workers across their countries. Evidence of widespread murder, racketeering and torture are being uncovered. Most of this human commerce is based on providing unorganised and cheap labour to Thailand, Malaysia and Singapore. Garman Industries hit its eyes on Bromia as the next low-cost hub. As reported previously, the increasing integration of the Burmese economy into the world capitalized system is creating many challenges for workers in Burmese. In addition to the issue already mentioned of Burmese workers beginning exploited as cheap migrant liberal all around the region, there is growing interest by fashion companies to make Burma a new hope for the Galavali government and textile squatter. Given the horrific toll that this industry takes on workers in the region, there is an urgent need to develop fighting unions in Bruma and prevent the deaths of workers as we have seen in other countries. Yeah, it's absolutely no accident that fashion and other textile garment um factories are trying to set up in Burma given the crisis there and the ongoing use of um, migrant Burmese labour across the Asia-Pacific. And we talked um, ever so briefly about this in um, some previous interviews when I was looking at conditions on the Thai-Burma border, which is on the Thai side. Um, But given the crisis in Thailand, the military coup in Thailand, the um, cheap labour and the influx of industry on that border to to just make profits out of cheap labour and to exploit an, a political and economic crisis in the region. Moving now to the Philippines, two weeks after a murderous fire killed at least 72 workers at the Kentex footwear factory, workers and families are still looking for justice and answers. While poor OHS and fire prevention systems are seen as the cause of the high death toll, the problem's not isolated to this one factory. Labor activists are accusing the government of overseeing a system of lax regulations and of rampant subcontracting that allows responsibility to be evaded at all levels. A global day of action for justice and against the global race to the bottom that makes workers' lives expendable has been called for the 13th of June. Turkey's manufacturers' workers' struggle bears fruit. As reported last week, the automobile the auto manufacturers hope of price in Turkey, so we displayed action to buy tens of thousands of auto workers. 
They were demanding better wages and conditions. While the campaigning is still continuous, some workers have already managed to win better deals, especially in relation to wages. The significance of these strikes was the, that it was carried out against the Yellow Union, which was legally covering the workers and that it on the support, support and solidarity of workers from other scotters. An absolute phenomenal victory for those workers in Turkey. I mean, the campaign is ongoing, as we've just said, uh, but though the... Um, the spread of strikes across the auto manufacturing industry in Bursa in Turkey um, has actually won those workers some significant wins um, and, and of course, the, the campaign is still going. And what is really significant about this is the fact that those workers went toe-to-toe, not just with the bosses of those companies, but with the bosses of the unions, and those unions are as yellow as anything um, <laughs> So they took on their yellow union, they took on the bosses and they're clawing back some really, really significant wins. So um, a huge congratulations to those workers and we are um, making contact with some comrades in Turkey just so we can find out a little bit more about it and bring you um, some some further details, some grassroots details about what's happening in that strike wave in the auto manufacturing um, sector of Turkey. That does bring us to the end of news from around the region for this morning. I'm going to go to some community announcements and then we'll have um, the feature interview conducted by Pierre Morrow. It is 10 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. We jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio, and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What your name is, we got the hell. Lots of changes, we need more brothers. CR's 2015 Radiothon is almost here, and we need your support more than ever. Indigenous people, refugees, students and people with a disability, the unemployed, youth and the elderly are all under attack from Abbott government's ideological war on the poor. At 3CR we're asking you to activate the airwaves from June 1st to 14th by donating money during our annual Radiothon to keep us on air for another year. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference, so to donate go to 3cr.org.au or call 94198377. Get active. Support 3CR, truly independent community radio.
Earlier in the week, Pierre Moreau uh, interviewed Farid Partova from the International Solidarity Group, International Alliance in Support of Workers in Iran. They were speaking about the latest upsurge of workers' actions within Iran. Here is that interview. It seems that over the last 12 months, there has been an increase in the number of actions and demonstration by Iranian workers. Have there been any factors behind this push? First of all, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak with you and with your audience. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, We have witnessed the worsening economic and political conditions in in the country. Uh, The major factors what I could tell you as far as the workers' protests concerned, workers have seen decreasing purchasing power uh, with the inflation rates being much higher and uh, almost the price of every essential good and services has gone up much higher than before. And while the wages have been kind of stagnant, uh, we, uh, and also we have seen decreased job security mass layoffs again and one major problem that we are facing is temporary work contracts. Currently we have, uh, we've always had the, the last 10-15 years the issue of temporary work, con- work contract. but within the last couple of years uh, even the Ministry of Labor announced that about 93% of uh, uh, workers are actually working under the temporary, um, some sort of temporary con- contract, only 7% have ongoing or permanent jobs, uh, which, is, which is massive. And that's been affecting the, you know, the working condition, the pays. Many of those on temporary worker contract, they're not getting paid on time. And so the struggle against uh, non-payment of wages has been one of the key issues. Um, another thing that I could say that uh, under the Rouhani government, uh, also, we have seen the same thing that we saw under Ahmadinejad in terms of uh, repression of all independent workers organizing. Then uh, we have seen national crackdown and any attempts to create autonomous workers formations. Uh, we have seen labor activists across the country being subject to systemic uh, repression during last year. Um, we have issued a report, probably you've seen that many, many are in court, many are being persecuted, uh, many are in detention right now, and also expulsion of worker activities. Many of the initiatives that we've seen in the last year in terms of workers' strikes, some of the key activists been expelled. Employers complain to the Minister of Labor or to the minister, uh, inter- Interior Ministry against workers, and then, and then they take them to the court and persecute them and fire them. And that's been one of the issues. So. The key issue, I would say, is about the poverty, ever-increasing poverty, and job insecurity, and, and the violation of workers' rights that have been leading to um, more actions and protests. I would give you a couple more concrete examples. We had uh, more than 100,000 workers only last year, more than 400 different small, medium-sized, and larger-sized companies that fought against uh, non-payment of wages. Even the state, as the main employer in the country, continue to owe somewhere around, in, in dollar, I would say somewhere close to $1 billion in terms of social safety benefit to workers, but they have announced that they can only pay about 1% of it now. So this major uh, backlog of demands and benefits that employers and the state owe to workers. 
and that's been affecting the living working condition in terms of being ability to even sustain their lives. And that's why we see more protests happening and more. Uh, another thing I would add again, also, we've had at least 14,000 small, medium-sized companies closing down last year. And all of them, that means that they didn't pay their workers. Uh, they just shut down and without actually paying the, what they owe to the workers. That means that thousands, thousands of workers also been losing their jobs. And among all these uh, job losses and um, cost of living increases, you have mentioned about the state jailing um, workers. So how do labour activists protect themselves um, against being arrested and against being dismissed? Again, I would like to emphasise that under uh, Hassan Rouhani, the current pre president, we have seen more anti-worker and repressive policies and practices. I would again emphasize that when it comes to workers' struggles, really there is no difference between Ahmadinejad Rouhani or any other uh, you know, governments in Iran. Actually, his government, Rouhani's government, is absolutely pro-capital, very neoliberal in his agendas and economic policies, and they've been facilitating situation for massive control of workers' movement. Uh, uh, through increasing number of interferences by security intelligence forces since last year. So it's very systemic. It's not just a coincidence that this is happening. So labor activists, they've been supporting each other since we don't have the way that in the West you see, you know, unions and then federation of unions and, you know, and uh, confederation of unions in each country national unions, since we don't have that, we have only few independent organizations and few organizations of activists, uh, and the rest is controlled by the state. So these independent activists, they support each other through different methods. Like for instance, there is a growing network of families that are supporting each other, families of workers. Uh, and also they do different forms of assembly and different forms of hidden uh, and open gathering in order to, you know, um, basically assess the situation and support each other. There, there are some existing independent organizations, uh, including um, uh, the organization that um, issued a joint statement for May Day, or organizations such as, uh, you know, transport workers of Tehran and sugarcane workers. This type of independent organization have been playing extremely important role, although they're under extreme uh, control by the state, but they've been supporting their own members, but they've been also supporting other jailed and persecuted workers as well. They've been creating a solidarity fund uh, to help uh, affected workers financially and also affect, uh, support their families. Another thing that been happening, there's been lots of international solidarity support and different forms of worker-to-worker -worker support. For instance, we have formed a number of uh, solidarity funds outside the country by workers in the form of worker-to-worker -worker solidarity. And we've been um, uh, providing considerable support to families of jail and stack workers without getting even one penny from any governments in any part of the world, any corporation, any businesses. All support by ordinary workers paying $5 or $10 a month uh, or organizing fundraising events. The same thing has been happening in Iran, that workers try to support each other, although they're dealing with financial burdens, they still try to gather money and support their colleagues who are being persecuted. Because one main thing is when they arrest uh, a, a, a worker activist, 
they usually suspend them from their work or they've expelled them from the work. And that's the only source of money that usually the family have. And that's a way of pressure in the family. And lots of families been going through serious problems internally because they have no other income. They have to deal with the police and security officers and agents on an ongoing basis. And that's been affecting many families. So this kind of ongoing support, worker to worker solidarity and support, been very important, both inside and the efforts that we've been doing outside the country in terms of real worker to worker in a way that is transparent and making because one key issue is with the Iranian labor movement have made it very clear that they want worker to worker support. They don't want any other types of support, especially any support from the Western governments, you know, because their policy has been very problematic in the area and has been uh, and has been actually a major part of the problem that we have. Well, that really takes us into the the next set of, of questions because we did publish the, the May Day statement that you um, alluded to and it was a very strong political statement. And But of course, the Iranian workers are in a region where there's a number of wars, there's foreign interventions and uprising. So how does this affect the workers' movement in Iran and how do they see all, all this? In, inside Iran, we're still dealing with the effects of economic sanctions. Uh, the impact on the working class and poor families has been disastrous. Of course, I mean, the poverty that we see in Iran and the insecurity that we see in Iran in terms of the working class conditions didn't start with the economic sanctions because this is a very anti-worker government. But the, the policies of the U.S. government and its allies uh, in terms of economic sanctions and the threats of war have been contributing to that. Um, the threats of war, for instance, has been still continue to be used as a major excuse to uh, oppress any uh, political organizing or union organizing, worker organizing in Iran. But also, as you mentioned, the region. Many Iranians are really fearful of what's been happening in Iraq, in Syria, in Libya, and other countries in the region. You know, the uprising that we saw in North Africa and Middle East really did not lead to uh, social and economic justice, uh, workers' power. Like the Egypt is an, an alarming example that we, we, we saw a coup and, and, and the situation is a lot more or, or as oppressive as ever. Um, we all know that the American and European governments, their imperialist policies and interventions uh, as well as the power struggle among the reactionary regional powers, which is which it's been very destructive, like policies of the Saudi Arabia, the the Turkish government, the the, the Iranian regime, and all other players in the region. They've all been contributing towards what we currently see in the region: the wars and and, and factional struggles and the killing, the rise of ISIS. All of these forces contributed to what we see, and they all are. Uh, implicated and all should should be held accountable. That affects um, the working class and the working class struggles in the area because it's a matter of survival for some parts of the world right now, some parts of the region like Iraq and Syria, and people are being killed in thousands and thousands. Libya is falling apart, and and in countries like Iran, um, the that makes the organizing much more difficult. That's why the efforts of organizations such as, you know, those joint statements are very important. 
to uh, to come together and push for progressive policies because as part of the statement they also condemn all the all the mili militaristic policies and the warmongering policies of uh, all the countries the US government their allies it's, it's the Iranian regime part of it Saudi Arabia all these powers in the region that are actually uh, been ruining people's lives so within such uh, catastrophes situations, you know, I mean, organizing it, like, you know, organizing for workers' rights is extremely difficult. And, and, um, and that's why, I mean, joint effort and collaboration by this kind of organizations is extremely important. And we also have other issues too. Let me give you an example, like, you know, as part of the statement that they issued in support of, uh, joint statement, it was in support of Afghan workers in Iran as well. We have a situation in Afghanistan, but also we have we still have more than one million Afghan workers in Iran, and and the Iran and we also at the same time facing massive uh, poverty and unemployment in the country. So the government, Ministry of Labor, and the pro-government workers' house, which is a very reactionary group that's supported by the government, at the May Day event this year, one of the key slogans were against Afghan workers. And, and so we, ha we have to be very careful in terms of making sure that we have a very uh, strong solidarity amongst workers inside Iran, whether being originally Iranian or from Afghanistan, and also solidarity amongst workers in the region. And that's one of the things that we need to do more work and has, we haven't seen a strong solidarity initiatives, but we have to see more collaboration among workers and more dialogue among workers and workers' organization in the region. And um, we have to see how things are going to evolve within the next few months. We think that we have to prepare ourselves for a, a massive fight back because we think that the current um, uh, establishment within Iran, they're going to even push for more uh, exploitative conditions for workers. I think one of the key struggles in Iran, we're going to see Iran uh, wage increases, you know, right now the uh, wages are four times below uh, the poverty line. The people are actually calling workers, organizations are calling for $1,000 a month, which is four times higher than the current minimum wage. We'll see lots of organizing around that. But also another part of it is the, that we have to look into um, creation of more independent workers organization without independent worker organization and massive organizing we're going to have serious problems fighting back against the current onslaught against workers very well thank you um very much for that uh we've uh, really run out of time and it's a fascinating subject and you covered lots of topics there but and you've really gave a good um uh, scenarios of the vitality of the workers moving around, but also all the dangers and the issue they they face. So I will certainly uh, keep abreast with the with the changes and developments. But thank you very much. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. That was Pierre Morrow with Farid Partovi from the International Solidarity Group, International Alliance in Support of Workers in Iran. It is 27 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Just in the closing minutes of the show, I want to quickly announce those events that I spoke about earlier in the program. So tomorrow at 12 o'clock at Richmond Town Hall, which is 333 Bridge Road, 
There is a counter mobilisation to a proposed rally by Reclaim Australia. Really, really important that we uh, stamp out this racism and anti Islamophobic sentiments because it is dividing the working class and we. We're not prepared to have our ranks divided in that way. So that's 12 o'clock at Richmond Town Hall, 333 Bridge Road in Richmond. The second event is at 2 o'clock. So there might be overlap, so you might not be able to get to both. Uh, but it is a public meeting at the Multicultural Hub. It's a public meeting organised by the Socialist Party around Islamophobia. There are going to be keynote speakers from uh, prominent members of the Islamic community as well as members of the Socialist Party. That's at two o'clock at the Multicultural Hub. And that is all uh, we have time for on today's program of Asia Pacific Currents. We'll be back next Saturday morning from nine o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. Thanks for tuning in to to today's show. I'm Giselle. I'm Sam. And coming up next is Palestine Remembered. You're listening to 3CR. This is Billy X. Jennings of the Black Panther Party. Power to the people. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.